You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. This morning we continue in our time in the Word and in our time in this series that we're calling Hope. And this morning we're going to talk about finding hope when we feel abandoned and alone. If you would turn in your Bibles as you watch with us, as you join with us in worship through the Word, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, will be in verse 46 for most of the time, but verses 45 through 51 is what we're going to be focused on. So if you would turn your Bibles, Matthew 27, 46. So many of us right now are going through different emotions as things change for us with the different uh, variations and the different levels of lockdown that we see across our nation with the stay-at-home orders, with the shelter-in-place orders, and only those things that are essential do we go out for. Those things differ from place to place. But one thing that does not differ as I talk to people, that's the emotions that they go through when they are having to process this information, when they're having to see things from a perspective that they've never had to see in their lifetimes, where we are shut down and fearful of what is going on around us, where there are things that can hurt us, we have no idea where they are and when they might hit us, but we do know at this point many of us are experiencing friendships with people who are going through a time of sickness related to this virus epidemic that we are in, this pandemic that we are in. I know that many of us can relate to feeling powerless, isolated, lonely, and even abandoned. But it doesn't just happen in times like these. Many of us go through times like this in many parts of our lives. In fact, strangely enough, when I first became a Christian, I went through a season of feeling all of those things. I was leaving a world filled with folks that did not like or want to be associated with Jesus. And so when God changed my life through the powerful gospel truth about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf, it changed everything for me, and it pushed me away from a lot of people, not because I was trying to walk away, but the first time I spoke to people that I had been spending my life with about this, many of them walked away from me, and I felt isolated, and for months I felt lonely, I felt abandoned, and even powerless to do anything about it, because I knew God had called me into this relationship, I knew that God had worked in my heart to change me, but I lost all of my friends that I had at the time, for the most part. I lost all those I depended on and I did life with. And for about six months, I felt like I couldn't relate to people in this new sphere. It was almost like going from dark to daylight, and I could not connect with people in a way that brought those kind of relationships. And I felt those things, powerless, isolated, lonely, and even abandoned. But today I'm here to tell you, as we look at this text together, that if we are in Christ, we are never alone, and we will never be forsaken because Jesus never leaves us alone. Let me start off by just bringing up some history here. What we're going to look at today is a passage where we see Jesus is going to the cross. And we're going to skip a lot of the stuff that leads up to this point, the things that are are so gruesome and horrific to understand what he went through physically, emotionally, and even spiritually, that he was abandoned by his friends, that he was arrested for things that weren't true, that he was tried and found guilty for things he had not done, and that he was then beaten almost to the point of death, that he was mocked, that he was then given his own cross to walk to Golgotha and to be hung on that cross with nails through his hands and feet. 
And to understand this in its fullness, we need to understand something about us as well, that we were created to find our fulfillment in this life in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, to live in His presence where there is fullness of joy. Now, how often do we actually find true fulfillment in Him, even in the good times that we go through? For many of us, when things aren't as we wish they were, we often effectually act like God has abandoned us. In fact, we might even blame God for the things we go through or question Him about where He is. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's really we who have abandoned Him more often than not, even in our own minds. And if you're in Christ, I remind you, God never abandons you. Well, how can we know? We can know that because Jesus Christ, the fully Son of God, also became a man, fully God, fully man, and He came, became one of us so that He could come to rescue us from the wrath that we deserve for forsaking Him. But even Jesus' life, even Jesus' life shows us what a restored relationship with God is intended to look like. Everywhere he walked, as you read through the Gospels, we see him touching people as they are hurting and they are healed. We see them not able to see, and he opens their eyes to see not just the, the things in front of them, but to see the truth that he is the Son of God. We see people who are unable to walk, and after he goes and is in their presence, they're able to get up and leap for joy and walk and to be healed. And that is a taste of what happens when we are restored with Christ. It doesn't mean all those things are going to happen now, but it means that's a taste of what is to come in the fullness when he comes back to eradicate sin and take us to be with him forever. And the life that he lived, a perfect holiness that we cannot live, maintaining a perfect relationship with God his entire life on this earth. And when he went to the cross to die the death that we deserve under the full wrath of God because of our rebellion, Jesus did that so that we might not be abandoned so that we would not have to endure hell for all of eternity, abandoned from that good, loving relationship with the Father who created us to enjoy Him for forever. And on the cross, we see Jesus on full display before the world. In our place, He stood condemned, forsaken by everyone in that moment, including His Father, so that we would never have to be forsaken. And in the midst of this greatest act of simultaneous love and suffering, the greatest act of this kind the world has ever seen, just before he gave up his soul to death, we see Jesus cry out to his Father in his full humanity, in overwhelming horror, because he was being separated from his Father relationally for the first time. And he was experiencing the full wrath of God bearing down on him because of our sins. And that is where we pick it up in Matthew 27, 46. It says about the ninth hour, about 3 p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That text has been, that statement by God, that question by Jesus to his father has been one of huge debate over the years. Ever since, I'm sure, he made that statement about what the full meaning of that is and how do we understand it. And let me tell you what we can understand from that today, especially in our position. We can understand this truth, that Jesus knows full well what it means to be abandoned and forsaken. That when we go through times like this and we feel abandoned or isolated or lonely or, or left out 
by God in the cold. He understands that feeling more than we could possibly imagine. From the Garden of Eden, where we see God creating man to be with him, man and woman together with him, enjoying him in his fullness, where they then sinned and rebelled against him and were cast out of the garden because God cannot be in the presence of, of unholy persons, ones who are in rebellion against him, that he cannot enjoy their presence. So he cast them out and put the cherubim there to guard the way so they could not enter back in. All the way from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is talking to his Father before the cross, saying, Father, take this cup from me, this cup of your wrath, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. People rebelling in the Garden of Eden, rebelling against God, and the Son coming in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then giving himself over fully to his Father in obedience, going to his death. And from being surrounded by his friends and family, to being betrayed and abandoned by those closest to him. Jesus understands what it means to be abandoned or forsaken. From enduring eternal love and joy in the presence of the Father to enduring eternal wrath and suffering in the presence of his Father on the cross, Jesus understands. Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So we know that Jesus became a curse for us and that we did not have to be cursed under the wrath of God if we find our hope in him. And for the first time on the cross, Jesus was alienated relationally from his father for our sakes. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That means that Jesus, who had never done anything wrong, who had never transgressed one iota of the law of God, had him declared sin in our place, that our sin was placed upon him. Martin Luther calls it the great exchange, that our sin was placed on him, and then after this, he declares us righteous. David Platt says it like this, that Jesus was cut off from the Father's favorable presence. God's presence was real at the cross, but it was his presence in judgment and wrath toward sin. Charles Spurgeon goes further by saying, sin was laid on him. And he was treated as if he had been guilty, though he had personally never sinned. And now the infinite horror of rebellion against the most holy God fills his holy soul. The unrighteousness of sin breaks Jesus' heart. And he cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But look, he, he trusts his father. He loves his father. But he is overcome emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He's not losing it here. He is just in the depths of suffering and despair under the full weight and wrath of his Father as he endures our sinful judgment and condemnation for us on the cross. And even as Jesus is being forsaken by his father in those moments, he cries out to him in total and complete faith. We see that because of the words that he chooses. He, he says, my God, my God. 
He hasn't abandoned the Father. He still has full and total faith. Even when we struggle, even when we do not seem to have the faith that we want, even when we are unable to to find the, the depths of faith that we need in our given circumstances, Jesus, in greater depth of despair, found and held on to and maintained his faith in his Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's not because Jesus didn't understand what was going on. He understood it to the full. And even in the midst of our own abandonment and isolation, we can have faith that our Heavenly Father loves us and He is with us, not in wrath, but in grace and mercy because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, our Father will never leave us nor forsake us. So what do we do when we're overcome with despair and feelings of fear and abandonment or isolation and loneliness, powerlessness? We run to the Father in the exact same way that Jesus did on the cross. My God, my God, He is still our God. He still loves us even when it feels as though we're alone. And when Jesus on the cross felt abandonment like we will never fully understand. He speaks his father's own words back to him. That's what he's saying when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22, 1, which says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? In fact, if you read that entire Psalm, you see the whole thing is a Psalm of David pointing to the Messiah, Jesus. And it lays out everything he goes through. For instance, Psalm 22, verse 14 through 16, it says like this in first person, as Jesus is on saying about what's going on around him, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint as he hangs on the cross. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. Speaking to his father, he says, You lay me in the dust of earth, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. When we think about what Jesus went through, it's easy for us to be mad at those who would put him on the cross. But if we take an honest assessment at the depth of our own sin, we have to recognize that we are just as those who placed him on that tree. That our sin is why he was there. We, in essence, every time we sin, are jeering at him and mocking him in that way. But even though he was abandoned on the cross, even though he was forsaken on the cross, if we are in Christ, if we place our hope in Jesus, we will never be forsaken, never be abandoned. Jesus understands our despair in a way that we can't even understand his. He was rejected by men and by God, his father, so that we never have to be rejected. Isaiah 53, I'm going to read portions, verse 3 through 6 and 10 through 11. The same thing, pointing to the Christ some 800 years before Christ even came to the earth. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. And after Jesus cried this out, just down in verse 50, we see Jesus cried out again, yelling out, and with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit, where he breathed his last and gave up his life. And it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. That curtain is the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, where God would reside. And once a year, the, the chief of the priests would go in and he would make offering or sacrifice to appease God's wrath on behalf of the people. But when Jesus died on the cross, that wrath was appeased. Everything that needed to be done, there's no more need for offerings. There's no more need for sacrifice. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And he doesn't have to be offered again and again and again. He's been offered once and for all because he is worthy. He is worth more than all things. And his sacrifice is complete. Complete. And so therefore, what separated people from God in the Holy of Holies, that, that huge tent, 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, that tent, that huge curtain was rent down from the top to the bottom as God ripping it apart, as Jesus Christ himself paid the price. And now you no longer have to go to the priest. You don't have to go to the temple, for Jesus Christ himself is the temple, and he has made the way. And he didn't just make a way for us on the cross. He became the way on the cross. Listen, church, Jesus was forsaken so that we never have to be forsaken. We never have to be out of God's presence. And now he sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in us so we can be with him forever. And Jesus loves us too much to leave us alone. But oh, how we abandon him daily. When we are powerless, instead of turning to the all-powerful one, we tend to rely on ourselves or we run to another. When we feel isolated, instead of turning to the seeker of our souls, we run to lesser things to escape. Or we turn to social media to find acceptance, or whatever it is for you. When we feel abandoned, we often sit in our seats and stay in our own heads, instead of running to our Father who loves us so much that He gave us His only Son so that we could be adopted into His family and never be alone again. But even though we abandon our relationship with God daily, if we are in Christ, we will never be forsaken. He will hold us fast. So brothers, sisters, 
Let us abandon such powerless actions and turn back to the all-powerful God who loves us and sent his one and only son to save us. He could have abandoned us like we've abandoned him over and over and over, but he refused to leave us in our sins. God will not abandon us because he loves us. And Jesus will never leave us alone. That still quiet whisper you hear in your heart, that still quiet whisper that points us back to God, it's His Holy Spirit beckoning us to return to our Father who will never leave us or forsake us. And He will hold us fast. It's not about how much you hold on to Him and how tight your grip is on Him. He will hold you fast. We may feel powerless, but we are sons and daughters of the King. We may feel abandoned. We may have been abandoned. You may have been abandoned by someone you love, but if you put your hope and faith in Jesus, you will never be abandoned by the one who will love you more than you can possibly imagine. He will hold you fast. At times you may feel alone, forsaken, but Jesus went to the cross in order to save you and me. And now he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us so that we will never truly be alone or forsaken. You never have to be apart from him. Some of you today might be hearing this thinking, I've never had that. I want that. Then today is a day of repentance. Today is a day of salvation for you. Turn from your life without God and turn to him. Repent. What that means, turn from life without him. Turn to him and believe on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe that he died for your sins on the cross. Believe that he paid the price for you that you could not pay. That he lived the life you could not live. And he died the death that we all deserve so that you could be with him for Forever, never forsaken, never alone, full of power as the powerful Holy Spirit lives in you. Not your own, but an alien righteousness given to you. What a glorious and loving God we serve. What a powerful, great God who came to bring us back into his joy, into his presence now and forevermore. Let us find our hope in him. For he will hold us fast. Father, we need you. We are unable to hold on to you when things are hard. Even when things are good, we, we take our eyes off of you. We abandon you so often. But Lord, you in Christ Jesus, Jesus has given us the way that we are never will be forsaken or abandoned. You will never leave us. Lord, we will always have you with us if we are yours. So I pray today, Lord, for those who do not know you that are hearing this gospel message, they would put their hope and trust in Jesus, repent of their sin, turn to you, that you would redeem them, save them, that you would regenerate them, make them new, and that they would know that and never, ever turn away from you again. And that, Lord, for the rest of us who struggle and who have difficult lives of, of hurt or abandonment or loneliness, Lord, I pray that you would bring our hearts to you and that we would cry out with the Christ. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that in that moment, you would remind us with the whispering stillness of grace as your Holy Spirit reminds us you are with us and you will hold us.
fast. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.